Welcome to the Tim Moen Show. I'm your host, Tim Moen. Solo episode today, but I thought I'd talk about something um, that is going on right now that I'm, you know, I'm getting a bit of flack for and link it back to the bigger picture. All right. So uh, I posted this photo of Kid Rock and a drag queen. Um, you know, Kid Rock's <laughs> drinking some Bud Light and, 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 you know, hanging out with this drag queen. Now, I post this uh, not to like make fun of Kid Rock or anything like that, or or to point out uh, how immoral he is. I point out I, I dropped that photo because I think it's there's something ironic and maybe sad and maybe hilarious as well about this figure from 20, 30 years ago who, you know, when I was growing up, I was warned that he was of the devil. You know, Kid Rock was. I mean, look, let's face it, he made. Uh, he made a career out of out of what out of kind of promoting a hedonistic promiscuous pimp lifestyle right certainly not the kind of character you would want your daughters anywhere around certainly not the type of character you would want your sons to be like uh, certainly not some kind of moral paragon and so there's something interesting and i'm trying to put my finger on it about how it is that this moral pariah from the 90s and early 2000s is now lauded as some kind of conservative hero for coming out against um, this uh, woke ideology in terms of, you know, Dil this transgender cat, Dylan Mulvaney, being put on Bud Light cans. How is it that Kid Rock is our hero here? And, and I, I find that kind of funny and interesting. And, you know, I made this other meme about how you know, 20 years from now, Dylan Mulvaney is going to be the moral hero that conservatives are lauding. And I think there's some element of truth to that meme, right? I mean, certainly the people we would have looked up to, or conservatives would have looked up to as moral heroes 20 years ago, um, would not be your Kid Rocks and your, your Donald Trump, say, of the world. You know, the, these guys were, these guys are, um, Again, they're, they're not the type of men you would want your children to become. They, you, you wouldn't want your daughters marrying them. You wouldn't want your sons becoming like them. You wouldn't want, you know, your sons talking about grabbing them by the pussy and, and being this, this um, whatever. Um, but here we are, and, you know, we have what, what can only be described as kind of like, um, you know, it's just weird. Like conservatives are seem perfectly fine with the immorality of 20 years ago right let's we just want to get back to the immorality of 20 years ago Th this is a bridge too far where we're at today and, and this has always been the case for as long as i've been alive it's always been conservatives fighting whatever the latest immorality is out there and just wishing for things to be back and, and so uh, in this podcast i want to talk about not only why it is that conservatives are impotent to stop this kind of degradation of morality, uh, but also why they're actually complicit in it. Why it is that I think that they have some culpability in where we're at. Uh, because I hear over and over again, Tim, it, it, you know, libertarianism is fine. That's, but we can't, we can't go there right now. Right now we have to uh, go with conservatism because that's the only thing that opposes the left uh, competently 
And surely you see that, Tim, that in this world where no one even knows what gender they are and there's sexual promiscuity everywhere and they're grooming our kids and blah, 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 blah. That, well, I'm going to argue that it's time, it's time we get rid of conservative statism, let's say, and that we start promoting libertarianism and that, in fact, it's conservative statism that, that has been complicit in getting us to the point we're at today. Um, and, and, you know, another thing kind of occurred to me as I was watching this, I, I've, we, we've been talking a lot about masculinity in my men's group and looking at some of Young's work on it. And <clears throat> Young has, Young differentiates between the positive and the negative masculine and the positive and the negative feminine. All right. And, and, you know, what, what we see today in terms of the archetypes that we see playing out on the stage of leadership here and the ones that we seem to be feeding energy to are the negative masculine and the negative uh, feminine, or if you prefer the toxic masculine and the toxic feminine, I don't want to trigger anyone here. Masculinity, it isn't toxic, but you have to admit there is toxic forms of, of masculinity. And, and so for example, Young points out some of the, the different negative forms of masculinity, and, and that would be order for organization's sake itself, right? Order for the sake of order is a toxic trait because you ignore what's important. Um, dehumanizing righteousness, right? Where we dehumanize the other and, and in the name of our righteous indignation. Uh, inflation, that's like inflation of the ego and, and making yourself out bigger to... Then, then you should be so kind of like, you know, remind you of uh, Kid Rock or Trump at all here. Willfulness and determination. In other words, despite, um, w without consideration to the other, you're just going to charge ahead. You don't give a, give a damn what, uh, what other people around you. Rape and directed violence. Or, or another way of looking at that is kind of um, like dehumanizing the other and, and using them as you will kind of thing life taking technology uh the the despot right now the toxic negative and you, or the the negative feminine here i think you might find interesting and that is uh transformations and altered states leading to chaos emptiness despair and death including depression alcohol and drug intoxication hysteria identity diffusion the madman or madwoman we're seeing a lot of both of those sides of the coin, right? And, and we're seeing a lot of the toxic feminine and what, what we're being told is that what we need is, what we're being attracted to rather, is the toxic masculine to deal with the toxic feminine. Okay, how did we get here? And I, I, you know, I'm not fully, uh, I haven't fully synthesized my thoughts here on this. I, and, and so I'm, I'm doing this podcast in part to kind of get out there what I'm thinking in the moment, please. Feel free to add your comments, write me. Uh, maybe you want to hop on the podcast. You have some really interesting ideas and, and you think I need to hear them and my audience needs to hear them. Please come on. All right. Let me talk about some of the ways I think conservatives are complicit in, in us getting to where we're at today in terms of, look, what, what are we seeing out there? We've seen a breaking apart of the family, right? We're seeing an epidemic of fatherlessness. We're seeing uh, open drug use and crime and and chaos on the street we're seeing uh, a destruction in boundaries not just nationally not just but but morally ethically um sexually uh identity wise uh, everything's just kind of melding together and there, there's no differentiation anymore um 
how did we get here? What what is it? Is it just simply the left and that we we haven't used conservatism hard enough? We haven't conservative hard enough to to push back against all this? Well, no, I, I would argue it's that we see this repeating pattern throughout at least as long as I've been alive of conservatives using the state to try to advance their agenda and having it backfire uh, viciously on them, right? So let's start with marriage, for example. Marriage is a, a good, noble institution. It, it, it's, you know, in many ways, the fabric of our, um, of our, our society, right? The family, the, the, and, and marriage is the key part of that family. It's that commitment to each other, that covenant with each other, that contract with each other. Well, that's a really good thing. And therefore government needs to be involved in it. Government needs to protect it. Government needs to, to nurture it. Government needs to make sure that, and, and protect that and define that institution, right? And so now we can't have gays marry whether that would destroy the institution of marriage we need government to stop that um and, and the left wholeheartedly agrees by the way that the state must be involved in marriage now it must be involved in marriage from a different for a different reason because maybe they need to the state needs to protect the women and children in that marriage from the abusive terrible patriarch that, that is the husband uh, but nevertheless the left and the right wholeheartedly agree yes government and marriage must be intertwined and now we have uh we have no fault divorce right we have um a situation where one party can can unilaterally break the marriage contract and not only suffer no consequences like you would in normal contract law where if i unilaterally break a contract I, there's some penalty I have to pay or some responsibility I have to pay. So not only do you not pay a con pay some kind of penalty or consequence for unilaterally breaking a contract for any reason whatsoever. Oh, I'm just not happy. Uh, not, not only don't you pay a penalty for that, but you actually get money for it, right? You, you get paid for the next 20 years from the non-custodial parent. Who's almost always the man. So, so it's a way so so of course of course marriage now is destroyed of course divorces at an all-time high of course we have an epidemic of fatherlessness and we know that fatherlessness fatherless children have you know uh, a 400 percent more risk of, of becoming drug addicts uh, of becoming uh having unwanted pregnancies of committing crime and ending up in jail all these other things, it's like a, a compounding thing. Uh, it's like a ripple of chaos that you have sent out that uh, demolishes what you might call the moral fabric or, or what conservative values are in the world, all because you wanted and insisted that government be involved in marriage, right? Um, now, it's true that the left sh surely would have... Um, found a way to get involved in marriage or tried to get involved in marriage, even if the right insisted that, that this be a private affair and, and the government stay out of it. But at least the right then would have uh, a strong case to be made for separation of marriage and state, right? Whereas once you concede that the state ought to be involved in marriage, you've lost the battle. You've, you've conceded the battle before it even started. And now, now it's just a matter of, okay, we agree. The state ought to be involved in marriage. And 
now let's argue about how the state ought to, um, ought to control that marriage, ought to be involved in that marriage. And you know that the people that have, that love the state the most are going to be the ones that win that battle. And the ones that love the state the most are the progressives. And so they're always going to win that battle because, and, and they're going to win it because, um, in large part, because you've conceded the ground before the battle even started. Um, we, we can bring the same, the same backfiring thing to the drug war, right? I mean, look, using drugs, being addicted to drugs, being, being in their grip. Um, it's horrific. It's horrible. It, it is degrading. It, it leads you to hell. It is the, not what you want your children to do, not what you want to see out on the street, not what you want society to do. Uh, it leads to bad behavior. It leads to, it can lead to crime, all sorts of things. Right. And, and so conservatives are right to be concerned about, about the problems and the moral quagmire around drug use. Now, where the thing wheels have fallen off though, is that because we need to, because we value sobriety, we need the government to be involved in this drug, um, in drug use. We need to, it to be involved in, in the buying and selling and use of drugs. And, uh, we get predictable results. You know, the, the, the war on drugs amplifies all the environmental factors that lead to drug addiction and abuse to begin with, right? The, the, it isolates people, it, it victimizes them, it oppresses them. It sticks, locks them alone in a cell. It, uh, puts them under incredible amounts of pressure and strain, uh, you know, I mean, all these things are things that that uh, trigger and lead to more drug abuse, more use. It drives the black market towards more potent and dangerous drugs, right? I mean, when when the government, for example, as a paramedic, I really started see, to see the rise of fentanyl when government started cracking down on doctors prescribing opiates, and um, at the same time, they they cracked down on pharmaceutical companies and said you must have crush-proof pills or tablets. Um, and, and those two things led to a skyrocket in fentanyl use. Why? Well, because it used to be that you could just go to, if you want, if you're an opiate addict and you wanted a safe high, you'd go to your family doctor, say you have back pain and need, need some oxys. They'd give you some oxys. You'd crush them and snort them. You get a, a relatively safe opiate high, right? You're not going to overdose on one tablet and it's made under, you know, uh, exacting conditions. It's a white market uh, thing. So it's, you, you know, there's huge liability. They're going to make it right. Well, now you can't get it from your doctor anymore. And even if you could, you couldn't crush it and snort it. So now you got to go to the black market for your fentanyl and, and, or for your opiates. And of course, um, the, the most potent drugs are the ones that are the easiest to smuggle because they give you bigger bang for the, the, the quantity, right? And so the, the more lethal and more <laughs> potent the drug is, the more likely it is to be prevalent out there on the street in the presence of uh, a drug war. Um, and so, of course, you're going to have criminal cartels and gang warfare. Now, <clears throat> the left agrees that, yes, government ought to be involved in this, this crisis of drug abuse and drug addiction and, and all this stuff. They, they look at it a little bit differently. Of course, they don't you know, see the drug use itself as a problem. They think the harm that comes with it because they can't get a safe product or, you know, they're, they're having to sleep out, 
in the street or because of this and that. That's the problem. So now uh, you've got the left creating uh, programs that basically insulate addicts from taking any personal responsibility for their behavior. So drugs are provided for free, property crimes are tolerated, food, shelter, clothing's provided. And so now we, now we have um, like the worst of both worlds, right? We have this drug war uh, <laughs> where, uh, you know, dealers and all this stuff are, are cracked down on where fentanyl is produced, where, where all these addicts are created and, and promoted and, everyone's isolated and atomized at the same time we've entrenched it now as a government program that we want this class of people all the time by creating a dependent class of people anyways again had the had conservatives not pushed for a drug war had, had they instead with both marriage and drugs looked at it like edmund burke one of conservatism's i guess godfathers might have said organized society around what he called the little platoons the family the church small businesses charities that's where morality emerges from he burke argues it doesn't emerge from big government and so once you ask big government to do all these things for you you can expect them to be corrupted you can expect them to backfire you're you know uh you're going to point a gun at people that is eventually going to be pointed at you and challenge your values. And so, um, you know, look, con conservatism at its best is uh, street preachers or um, charities where, where they're actually providing solutions, where they're, you know, exhibiting love to their neighbors, where they're, where they're uh, you know, dealing with the downtrodden and, um, and destitute and the prostitutes and all the, all the, so-called deplorable people out there. Um, I mean, what did Jesus do? What did, what, what he commanded everyone to, commanded us to love him, right? And, and to um, give and to provide and to, to take personal responsibility, in other words. And of course, government is the opposite of taking personal responsibility. It's outsourcing personal responsibility and the results are horrendous. They're tragic, they're, they're terrible, right? Uh, now we're seeing some elements, you know, of this with this kind of transgender ideology and drag queen story hour. So, of course, I agree with conservatives here. Like, I, I would never take my kids to some drag queen story hour. Uh, I, I would never, well, I'd never have them in public school to begin with. So th they wouldn't be exposed to all this stuff. I wouldn't be, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't know the best curriculum to run a school with, right? And so I, I wouldn't want to impose that on the whole of society but here we are we've conceded conservatives have conceded number one that that education and government ought to mix together that government ought to control education and so now of course again the people that love the government the most are going to end up in control of that and they're not going to be that's not conservatives conservatives don't love government half as much as progressives do and so all the people, all the bureaucrats, all those that end up in these government institutions uh, that you say we need for education, of course, it's going to go towards progressivism. And, you know, you'll shake your fists and you'll go to rally to meetings and everything like that. And you'll push back this time, but eventually it'll come in a, in a slightly more palatable form. And eventually, you know, it'll, it'll just become 
status quo, just like uh, Kid Rock and his hedonism and his pr promiscuity and his pimp lifestyle is now status quo. And we even have guys like Andrew Tate teaching, teaching our young people how to be pimps. And they're the right wing heroes now. It, this stuff has become like water now it's it's like in the past it was considered boiling water like stay away from that shit like that's gonna ruin your life and we we don't want our kids anywhere near it and now it's just kind of we've kind of accepted it as the norm because all the battles because we've conceded defeat from the outset because we've said that you know government and morality ought to be mixed the government ought to impose morality it ought to censor profanity it ought to censor porn it ought to you know do all these things that conservatives were arguing for in the 80s and 90s well we've got that good and hard now don't we we have government imposing morality but it's imposing the morality of people that love government the most by the wokesters by the progressives all right so so let's say we managed to ban um drag queen story hour like i think they did in louisiana well have we solved any problems well, I mean, okay, we've stopped, uh, like conservative kids were never going to see drag queens anyways, because conservatives would never let their kids around it. But now we've got all these parents, kids of, who, who have parents that would take them to drag queen story hour. They got to live with these parents. They got to stay with these parents. These are their parents. These are the people that are raising them. You don't think that's a problem? Do you think that's a problem that someone who would take their kids and ha sees no problem taking them to drag queen story hour and exposing them to all sorts of uh, what you might call grooming material. You don't see any problem with that type of person raising a kid? Well, what are you going to do now? Are you going to uh, have the state take kids away from their parents? You're going to have them... Uh, is it, in other words, what, what we're arguing out there in the public, what conservatives and progressives are arguing out there in the public realm right now is that the state, or actually what conservatives are specifically arguing, is that the state ought to be involved in child welfare. Do you see how that sounds? Do you see how that could potentially and inevitably backfire on conservatives to make the argument that we need the state, we need more laws. This country is falling apart. It's more, we need the government involved in more things and more laws. We need the state involved in child welfare. Now, okay, what are you gonna do in 10 years? When the left agrees with you, yes, of course, the state ought to be involved in child welfare. And this is why we can't have uh, Christian homeschoolers teaching kids all these crazy things. I mean, surely this is, uh, you know, uh, this is corrupting young minds and it's child abuse. And they're grooming kids to be flat earth conspiracy theorists that are anti-establishment. Surely we can't have that. I mean, it's in the child's best interest that we protect the child from that kind of toxic grooming behavior. You see where I'm going with this? Once we've conceded to, that the state is involved in child welfare, we, we, we ought to um, expect that that gun will be turned on you in the future and that it will threaten your relationship with your kids and how you want your kids raised. And and you've solved nothing, right? By banning Drag Queen Story Hour, all you've done is made the left more angry and, you know, <laughs> and more animated. And you haven't actually solved any problem. You haven't protected any kids. Like, which kids are protected by that? Is it kids that are being raised by these progressive parents? They're not protected. They're still being raised by progressive parents who... God knows what's going on in that household, what, what things are being taught, what grooming is being done, right? 
So you haven't solved that problem. You haven't solved the problem of exposing conservative kids to that stuff because conservative kids were never going to be exposed to this stuff. Because no self-respecting conservative parent is going to let their kid go anywhere near that stuff, right? So here's what I'm going to suggest. That Here's the gear that I'm going to suggest conservatives find. I've always said this. I've said that uh, if you want a socially conservative society, you ought to promote libertarianism, all right? Now, I know that sounds paradoxical, right? Because libertarians don't believe in drug laws, okay? We don't believe in, um, in, in marriage laws. We don't believe in um, all these laws against vice and, and what you might call immorality, right? And drug use and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and so how can it be that, Tim, you say that, that this is going to be social? In fact, a lot of libertarians or, or people you might call lolberts, right, um, actively promote a lot of the hedonistic, promiscuous lifestyle that, um, that you despise, right? And so it's, it's no wonder you look at libertarians and say lolberts and these guys are part of the problem. But the, the thing is... Um, you know, libertarian society is going to be a more socially conservative society, even if these lolberts think that they're going to be doing more drugs as a result and living more hedonistically. I mean, <clears throat> those people are never going to flourish in a libertarian society, right? A, a person who has to take personal responsibility and is constantly living in a haze of mind altering hedonism is not going to do well in a free society, they're not going to do great. Okay. They're going to have to hit rock bottom and they're going to have to build themselves up. There's a price to pay for vice. There's a price to pay for, um, you know, breaking marriage vows. There's a price to pay for, um, uh, for, you know, doing self harm and you're, you're not, you know, in a libertarian society, you're going to have to face personal responsibility and you're going to have to there's going to be some natural consequences for these things. There's a cost to being a drug addict. And, and you know, that is, uh, it's going to be very difficult, much more difficult to live in a libertarian society as a drug addict than it will in the current society that nurtures that, that, that enables it, that provides a, a safe place for it, right? Not too many private property owners are going to want addicts walking around like zombies on their roads, in their, in their uh, parks, in their communities. And so those people are going to be pushed to the edge until they can show that there's some, you know, kind of social responsibility. And that's the point of libertarianism. It's, you know, th this is a war right now of all against all. It, it matters what they teach in public school, because uh, if you think that that's the only place you can educate your child, right? Now I'm, <laughs> I'm forced to debate and fight with the left in terms of what kind of curriculum my kid gets exposed to. What I argue for is that we shouldn't have to fund those public schools. We should, uh, we shouldn't have to be, uh, forced into association with people we vehemently disagree with who have a particular agenda and perspective that we think is corrupt. We shouldn't have to be into association with those. We should be left alone to raise our kids the way we want educate them the way we want in the schools we want and let them do their thing. We'll, we'll not bother them if they don't bother us. Um, and by the way, I also think that this would result in a lot less of that type of behavior of um, the erasure of boundaries of fatherlessness, 
uh, of drug addiction, of all these things, families would be much stronger, communities would be much stronger, and society would organize itself in a way that was much more socially conservative because that's the natural result. That is what happens as you mature as a person. When you have to take personal responsibility for your actions, when you have to pay the consequences of your debauchery, well, you tend to do less debauchery, don't you? And we learn that. That's part of maturing. That's part of growing. Uh, but right now, people are being deprived of learning that because debauchery is being enabled right across the board. And it's being enabled, again, because we've conceded, our conservatives have conceded again and again that government ought to be involved in, um, involved in all aspects of our life, just in a conservative way, in a fatherly way. And then we're always surprised and mortified and shocked and dismayed when the left agrees with us and says, yeah, exactly, but we'll do it in a, in a toxic feminine way, right? So, so that's it. So look, conserve, you know, in my personal life, in, in between the sheets, I'm a conservative out in the streets, I'm a libertarian. My conservatism in the sheets is protected by my libertarianism in the streets. Okay. And if you want your conservatism in your home protected, um, and if you want to see more conservatism around you, you should promote libertarianism. You should promote limited government. You, should, you shouldn't be arguing about what's going on in public schools or what's going on in libraries. What you should be arguing for is the abolition of public schools. What you should be arguing for is the abolition of public libraries. Th these things, government has no place in them. Let these things be private. Let the private owners, uh, the people who suffer the consequences of their policies, be the ones making the decisions, you know, and right now we have the exact opposite. We have people who suffer no consequences making the decisions. So, um, you know, that, that's what we should be arguing for. We sh shouldn't be arguing for, um, you know, national changes. We should be arguing for national divorce. Let, let's just go our separate ways. We'll get along better that way. Good, you know, fences make good neighbors. You know, I, I don't have nothing in common with the Laurentian elite and they certainly despise me. So, um, you know, let's just go our separate ways and leave it at that. But, you know, instead what we're doing here, what, what I see conservatives over and over again, and, and we see this everywhere. This, this is a huge mistake that conservatives made, make that continually water and fertilize the seeds of evil, the seeds of statism or, or the, the roots of statism and evil, right? And that is, look, well, get, let me give you an example. Uh, you know, climate change, or we, we don't need government to get involved in climate change because it's, it's not going to be a catastrophe, right? Now, the message here is that government ought to be involved in emergencies, right? You've conceded that government ought to be involved in emergencies. Well, that's the wrong ar argument to make. You should be making the argument that, look, even if climate catastrophe was on the horizon, or, you know, if there's going to be a catastrophic climate emergency, we need to get government out of the way. We need less government. We need limited government. Government's only going to make the problem worse. But we've conceded the point already. We've lost the battle on climate change. Now all a leftist has to do is show that the climate's changing and that it's catastrophic here and there, you know. And and now a conservative's going to have to go, well, I guess, I guess you've shown me proof. Now I guess we need big government programs, right? You've lost the battle. This is why... Michael Malice quipped that or observed that uh, conservatives are progressives driving the speed limit. Because if you want to know what a, a conservative is today, just look at what the progressive policies were 
10 years ago, right? And um, yeah, that's true. So so you're, you're laying the groundwork for your enemy to defeat you in the future. And this is why government continues to grow, things continue to get worse, and why you can't push back against it, because you always concede the battle before it's even fought. And we've conceded the climate change battle before it's even fought, you know? If, God forbid, there is a climate catastrophe coming, well, now it, we're all going to be put put on by both conservatives and progressives because conservatives have have acknowledged that, yeah, government plays a role in emergencies, you know? Uh, we, conservatives have done the same thing with, um, with, with the pandemic, okay? Well, the argument I hear all the time is, all these mandates were wrong because it was a pandemic. It was all fake. Or all these mandates were wrong because masks don't work and this vaccine didn't work. That's conceding the battle. That's saying that, yeah, if everything government was saying was 100% true, well, then yeah, obviously we'd need all these mandates. And so next pandemic, we can expect when, when it's, you know, maybe 10 times worse, can I trust conservatives to have my back? No, they're going to be saying, well, yeah, we did say you know, government is needed in an emergency and this does seem like an emergency, so we better get some government involved. No, no. What you should have been arguing from the start is what libertarians were arguing, which is it doesn't matter if, if everything the establishment says is true. It doesn't matter if COVID is 10 times worse than what it is. It shouldn't matter. It doesn't matter if masks work or not. It doesn't matter if vaccines are 100% effective. None of these mandates are ethical. None of them are moral. None of them are justified, even if all those were, were true. So there's my food for thought. Look, conservatives are at their best when they are operating um, from Burke's little platoons, right? When they are, they're so attractive when they are in a wholesome family. They're so attractive when they're doing good works as an extension of their church or their faith community. They're so attractive when they're out there in the community um, helping and loving the, the uh, teenage, teenage pregnant girl who needs some support. They're, they're so attractive when they're out there, uh, you know, confronting the Dylan Mulvaney's of the world who are obviously confused, who are obviously wearing this mask of, of you know, they're wearing this mask to cover up acute mental distress, loneliness, uh, disillusionment, uh, identity crisis. And what they need is some love from conservatives, the love of God, that, uh, a connection. But instead, what I see is the toxic, or the, what Young would call the, the negative masculine emerge and, um, and make it a war of all against all. And um, I'm sorry to say, conservatives and we all are going to lose that war because progressives love the government more and they have no problem using the government more. So um, argue for limited government and promote morality from, um, from the ground up, from, you know, take, take personal responsibility for seeing the change you want in the world and quit asking government to do it for you. And I think we're going to get better results. Those are my thoughts for today. Watch for that article to drop. Uh, subscribe to my Substack. Uh, I'll put the link down below. Substack, locals, all those things are, uh, all my links are down below. So thanks again for watching, guys. Please drop your comments. Let me know. Maybe you want to discuss this with me on the podcast, or maybe you have a suggestion for a podcast guest. Email me. That's down below as well. And let me know um, who you want me to have on 
and uh, we'll go from there. Thanks, guys. Bye.